What's up, guys? X Ritchie here, bringing you episode five of the F1 podcast. And yes, episode five. We just want to say thank you guys so much for the support. Uh, we've been doing this for the last four weeks and we've just been blown away. So I'm probably going to be saying a lot of thank yous in this video or just in general. Um, so thank you. Uh, with that, uh, it is episode five with my co host. Andrew. What's up, good people? And Erica. Buongiorno a tutti. Ah, bene, bene. Oh, that was good. That was good. As you can tell by our beautiful Italian, we are talking about the Italian Grand Prix. This is the post-race review. And let me tell you, there is a lot to dive in into today in today's pod episode. Today's pod episode, as you can tell. This is how it's going. Anyways, so on Sunday, we had Daniel Ricardo win his first race with McLaren. Who Lena said Norris. that was a good idea? Yeah, well, we're getting there. We're getting there. Don't you worry. Uh, Lando Norris coming P2 from McLaren. Valtteri Bottas from the back of the grid from 20th to 3rd. Charles Leclerc, Ferrari 4th. Sergio Perez 5th. Carlos Sainz. Six Lance Stroll, um, uh, Lance Stroll, Austin Martin, seventh, uh, Fernando Alonso, Alpine, eight, George Russell, Mr. Saturday, coming P9, and Esteban Ocon, uh, P10. So you're probably asking me, Jonathan, what happened to Verstappen and Hamilton? Well, let me tell you, they crashed, and it is the subject of today's controversy and also that race's controversy. So before further ado, uh, congratulations to Daniel Ricardo for winning his first race with McLaren. But Ooh. I'm going to turn it over to the team. What were your thoughts of the race? Let's start with, you know, Andrew. What did you have to say? I, I don't know if someone on the last podcast episode said Danny Rick was going to be a podium and two people looked at the person like he was an idiot. So I'm just saying, I didn't. That person must be seeing, you know, seeing the stars align or reading the magic eight ball because Danny Rick dominated this entire weekend. Did you even I, have him on your, your fantasy? I had McLaren and I had Norris on the fantasy. All right. I had to back it up a little bit. I, I wanted Danny Rick to prove himself first before he makes it onto the fantasy team. You know, you can't just start without <laughs> proving yourself worthy. And, you know, after this week, Danny Rick is going back on it. You can tell it was just, it was his time this weekend to really, pushed the envelope here um, at McLaren. I think it was long overdue and uh, very happy to see the shoey back on the podium again. Oh, oh, that is a stinky shoey. Uh, Erica, what were your thoughts of this week's race? I thought it was a super fun race to watch, honestly. I mean, anytime you get a track like this where we've got some congestion coming out of chicanes and turns, but you can really kind of build up on some of those long streets. You're, you're in for some great racing and that's what we saw for sure. I was so impressed with McLaren this weekend. I mean, this is what the first time since 2010, they've had a one, two finish on a podium. So incredible work from Zach Brown and everyone over at McLaren building up the team over the last few years. And I have to eat my own words. Last week, I was talking about how Danny Rick needs to step back and accept the fact that he's an older guy and kind of the number two driver on the team. Nope. And he just came out <laughs> flying and crushed it. So 
you know, I, I'll be the first to admit he's not down and out yet. He's not someone that we need to just kind of put on the shelf and only take down when needed to do some defending or something like that. He's still got it. And uh, I mean, in fairness, I think he listened to the podcast last week and like, <laughs> heard you t- chat crap about him. There's this one girl in Canada, man, and she drives me nuts. I'm going to prove her wrong. <laughs> exactly. That was it. That, that was, was the tipping motivation point. for doing so well in the sprint on Saturday. Oh, my goodness. I mean, A, if that happened, I'd be incredibly flattered. And also Danny sliding into my DMs any day for crying out loud. But Danny Rick, if you're listening to this pod, come on in. We would love to host you. Just saying. Yeah. I'll, I'll do a sh- If you come on, I will do a shoey for you. <laughs> Oh man, like, so aside from, aside from the racing, I mean, we saw some unfortunate incidents on lap one with like Alpha Tauri, both cars having to be retired and obviously a few notable crashes, uh, not even just in the first lap, but later on as well, which I'm sure we'll get into. The celebrations were just so fun. I mean, last year it was great to watch Gasly celebrate his first victory and it was no exception this year with the whole McLaren team up there. Zach Brown was just having a time and it was great. I, I just, I, I love the radios after the race and it's like Lando's talking to his engineer and Danny Rick's like talking to his engineer. And then you just hear Zach Brown in the background, just screaming. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was just amped up and right. Deservedly. So he's taken McLaren from like, you know, below what expectations were and I think he's like, he definitely exceeded it this week. And it's crazy in the sense, too, that, you know, Danny Rick got the fastest lap on the last lap of the race. So like, you can't say it was a fluke. They literally had the fastest car mm-hmm. this weekend. I, and I that think, is like an eye-opener to me. And I think it should be an eye-opener to Red Bull and to be to Mercedes. I know it's back far in the championship, but, you know, it's that guy. He's right, you know, someone's right behind you now. That's 100 points back. But, like, they are, you know, I think they should start putting them on notice for next year and for the rest of the season. Look, and this is like what, what the sport wants is, you know, you have four competitive teams with Mercedes, Red Bull and McLaren just duking it out. Like, obviously we talked about early in the season, how this season has really opened up uh, the podiums. Cause how many now there's what been like 10 or 15 different drivers who've at least had one podium appearance that it's not always been Lewis um, sorry, my phone just went off. Uh, Lewis, uh, Bottas, and uh, Verstappen. And now you're getting people like, because I think, yeah, you said this is 2000. Oh, yeah. Last time they were on the podium was 2010, I think. 2012, yeah. I think, was the last time they won. 2012 the was the last McLaren podium win. or not podium win. And then 2010 was the last time they were one, too. I'm pretty sure is the. And I don't know if ever anybody found uh, heard about the, uh, found this stat out this week, but because of McLaren going one two this week, it's the only time so far this season that a team's gone one two. Yeah. So I think from the start of qualifying to the sprint race, McLaren clearly like outpaced anybody else in the team, and you know it, it continues to push. Like I actually don't really know how the constructors is going to go for third place. Like. Uh, kudos, kudos to Ferrari like they had a decent week with like obviously at the end having um, Sergio Perez get the five second penalty I was able to get Leclerc up to fourth but um, you know I was very impressed with it with how they raced this week the weekend like I knew it was going to be a tough track uh, but anything happens at Monza the celebrations at Monza it's it was actually nice to see the fans been able be able to kind of get close because 
when Gasly won it in 2020, it just, it, it was a very, it was very eerie. And uh, those that watch Formula One, they know that the Tifosi, when they come out uh, at Monza, it's, it just, it's just a line of fans and it can just go from that one side of the track to the other. Um, another really uh, important note, uh, important fact is this weekend was Valtteri Bottas went from 20th on the grid to third. So whoever picked him on the fantasy, clearly. Uh, oh, and Andrew. So Andrew is waving on the cam. Uh, but yeah. So anyone I want to talk about Bottas's beautiful performance and his beautiful uh, press conference afterwards. It's funny how fast he can go when he really doesn't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> you mean when Mercedes actually lets him race and he's uh, not honestly. <laughs> honestly, it's just it, it's insane. Like he he was in a rocket ship all weekend. Yeah from you know from pre-practice to qualifying then you know taking pole position in the sprint race unfortunately had a drop back because of the grid panel but he even said to his engineer that he's finishing on the podium this weekend and he you know he he talked the talk and he walked the walk that's for sure and it was honestly it was great to see because i don't know how many more moments we're gonna have he might have in an alfa romeo next season i'm not just because of the car i think like it's like i think let's give me one of the last few last year like one of the last years i think valtry's gonna have that podium kind of those podium opportunities how many years do you think he's gonna be in the sport i'm calling two more with uh, alfa romeo i think it depends on how the first season with alfa romeo goes like if with the new rules next year things are half decent and i mean we're seeing geo do surprisingly well in this car in the last few races at least in qualifying and even in the sprint he still kept it pretty tight um so, I mean, if they're able to continue improving on the car here, I mean, he may not be getting podium position, but he'll still be finishing top 10 just as a testament to his skill, I think, assuming they're keeping the momentum with the car. So if things go well next year, maybe he'll be around for like another four, but I, I can't see him sticking around too, too much more than that because the guy's in his 30s now. I mean, even Hamilton, there have been rumors of him only sticking around for a couple more seasons at this point. So we'll, I, I think we're going to see a little bit more turnover with some of these guys that are kind of older drivers, but still, you know, pretty young overall moving into different stages of their careers. And I, I think especially because with F2, with some of the drivers that are kind of still performing very well, um, I think I saw, uh, I, I think I saw an article about like people pressuring to get, uh, Antonio Giovinotti out of his seat for some, one of the new guys in there. I think I saw something like $30 million they were offering Alfa Romeo. Mm -hmm. uh, some of these like older guys, sorry, you gotta go. Maybe Danny Rick can stay a little bit longer, but after today, he solidified himself for another, for a while, but it can, I can only imagine what's going to happen next. And I think that's the big piece now is that the sponsorship deals and the kind of money you can bring to a team to elevate the car is really a key factor here. So, you know, if someone in F2 has got an incredible sponsor who's going to be willing to put more on the table once their driver is promoted to F1, I think we're going to see some more shifting around the cars when some of these contracts come due again. I know most seats are kind of locked in for the next season at this point, but uh there's still a chance of a lot of movement in the near future, I think. I think Haas sort of set a precedent with that last year um, with taking Nikita and taking Mick 
based on big sponsorship deals. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's why, like, I think it was Guang Yuzhou was looking at yep. that Alfa Romeo seat for 30 million um, because he he's got, yeah, big, big sponsors from China willing to, you know, for willing to push his seat. So I think with Haas setting that precedence, you're going to start seeing that more, especially for like the lower teams who need that money to become more competitive with like the midfield. I, I think it also was like probably a smart move, uh, smart move by Haas by uh, removing as much as we love Grosjean and Kevin, Kevin Magnuson. But I think at that point he's, you know, it's time to maybe change, change the tone. Cause I don't think they even scored a point last year. Um, yeah. And uh, bringing in two, two new young guns. It's like, why not just do this and just try something new and they can bring new sponsors, new things like, cause Look, the Netflix series has really blown this sport up in, in popularity. I mean, <laughs> Jordan, why watch this? I started literally the 2020 season, so it's a, uh, it's, it's a good it's a good season. Like, I'm curious. I think this is going to be a great episode <laughs> in Drive to Survive for the 2021 season. Just for all the insanity we saw on camera. And all the reactions that we saw happen between the crash with Verstappen and Hamilton, which just listening into some of the radios and seeing how Max was when he got out of his car was pretty intense. And then just, you know, we heard so much of what was going on at McLaren, but you know, it was about 90 times more intense over the radios and kind of back in the paddock. So I think it'll be a fun one. Before we deep dive into like the crash, I just want to say that I think the FIA has done a tremendous job with safety. And this was a big case, especially with the halo this past weekend, literally saving Lewis's life. And anyone who doesn't like a halo, you need to get out of the dinosaur age because otherwise we would have seen a death on track this weekend. And thank God the FIA stepped up into the halo when they did back a few years ago. It's oh, go ahead, Erica. Sorry just it was it was intense i mean because uh looking at it originally i think most of the camera views were kind of overhead a little bit pulled away from it but there were cameramen that were right focused on this as they were coming off the track and at the perfect angle to kind of capture some really intense shots of this crash go down and absolutely you're looking at that it did hit his head he he hit his head and it scuffed his helmet and just imagine how much worse it could have been had the halo not been there to take some of the impact and stop the car from lowering even further onto him than it did. <laughs> yeah, because without the halo there, like Verstappen's body doesn't get smashed at that point. Like it goes straight down instead. Exactly. So, yeah, like it, it, it baffles my mind. People who think the halo is a bad idea for the sport. Ooh, sorry, the camera angle is not very good from there, but who cares? Exactly. If the drivers can drive with this there and still do just as well and still be putting up like record times and extremely entertaining races, you sitting on your couch can deal with this. <laughs> I, I just think it's crazy as somebody who like would sometimes go and watch old videos of like F1 and just see some of the cars that they would drive and like when Schumacher raced of like how open it was and um, and like even Nicky Lauder when, when that had that had that big crash where he literally burnt ha- his half his face and then within a couple of weeks, he's like, ah, I'm going to go back to race again. It just really, uh, it's kind of eye-opener. Um, so who's at fault, Max or Hamilton? 
I, I generally, I'll just, I'll start off and I'll <laughs> start, I, I think uh, we, I, I think it's very clear in a couple of the videos that I've seen that I, I just, if Lewis was coming over, like he was coming out and he kind of like inched, he was like inching over and it kind of put Max in a, in a difficult spot. And I, and I really think that unfortunately, like, yeah, it, I think it was definitely Lewis's fault. Um, and I, I don't understand how Max gets three grip penalty. I'm inclined to agree with you on that one. I mean, as much as they were kind of neck and neck going into that first turn of that chicane, it was kind of clear looking to see that Hamilton was breaking kind of late and not as hard as he could have. And Max did have his nose out in front, so kind of had dibs over the position there, especially since Hamilton was the one challenging him at that point. And you don't have Max hitting those bumps at the edge of the track to launch his car like that if Hamilton gives him enough room and kind of applied the brakes a little bit more going into that turn. So as I, I was shocked when I saw the grid penalty, honestly, I mean, when we've seen some of the calls that they've made after Silverstone and stuff where they just give someone like a five second penalties for some pretty obvious and flagrant stuff that's been happening to have a three place grid penalty for a driver that really to the majority of people that I've seen, and I think even F1 did a poll and like 78% of people thought that Hamilton was at fault and not Max and that the grid penalty was kind of overkill. It's it's just kind of baffling to me that F the FIA is kind of making the calls that they're making. I could play a little devil's advocate here in the sense that, so earlier on in the race in turn four, Similar situation happened in the chicane when Max, I guess, was out of maybe out ahead of Hamilton, but essentially pushed Hamilton wide and he went over the two sausage curves back onto the back onto the uh, track. And in a way, like it, it definitely Hamilton's bad. Like Hamilton, like literally turned right. At, like it was a late turn, so I think fifty percent of the blame is on Hamilton, but I also think fifty percent of the blame is on Verstappen in the sense that there was that runoff area that he could go to avoid the uh, crash. But I don't think you should be penalizing one person. It's either penalize both or don't penalize any because it is a racing incident. It's not, you can't blame Max at 100% fault for that crash when at best it's 50-50. All right, well, like worst case, like, like to me, it's 50-50. It's a racing incident. I really don't think like in any way, shape or form that Max should be getting a penalty. Either you give both the penalty a one, I guess Max for being, you know, I guess quote unquote careless and not taking to the exit that he could have, but also B to Hamilton for literally diving into the corner and cutting him off. Like Max even said it afterwards. Like you have to, like, there is this point where you have to give space and race fair. And that was not racing fair. That was like, it was, it was Hamilton getting pushed out, but I can see Hamilton's frustration as to why he did it because of it happened to him earlier in the race. So I, I see where both sides of the story are coming from, but I think FIA's decision to give Max a three-place grid penalty is ridiculous. And I it, yeah, beg to wonder if they're really favoring Lewis to try and come back in this title fight and get his eighth. Raise some questions. I don't know. I think that, you know, now you mention it, like, I think both of them should get a penalty because uh, if if you're gonna give one for if you're gonna give Max for that, like 
clearly clearly you can go both ways and if you can just settle it and just be like listen you guys are both getting great penalties because i i think they need to do a gearbox change soon i think yeah. uh yeah so it's like maybe if they both do it next week well no no hamilton get get it but like if Verstappen gets his three grid penalties like okay you know what maybe i'll take my gearbox now like does he feel that comfortable in russia we're not uh, we're not going to talk about russia today we're going to focus on russia next next week's episode but when like is this an opportunity where where red bull down sees okay you know look we lost this fight on the three grid do we just take our gearbox penalty now and then just hope that we can we can just salvage russia i'm curious to know where where that would go i think that's a possibility i mean some of the teams were kind of already discussing that russia was a race they could potentially take those penalties for if they're making changes to the engine and whatnot um i mean Bottas kind of already took that hit this week in some capacity but we're we're going to see it soon i think the question is if i'm sure if it was sergio perez uh red bull would have no issue letting him take the gearbox penalty and go back because they know that he's capable of overtaking but we haven't really seen too much of max starting that far back in the grid in recent times and having to fight his way to the front Definitely there's times where he's not on the front row and he's a little bit behind that, but to be like a 13th or potentially even further back than that, depending on the alterations made would be, would be interesting to see. And I don't know how Christian Horner and the rest of the team would feel about that. Do you think he would just get angry? Like he would probably be just frustrated and is not, not used to fighting in the middle of the grid anymore. I think there's potential for that, but I think it's less on Max's capability and more on the team's trust for him to do that. I also think Max gets really upset too when um, he's like leading a Grand Prix and then something out of his control happens. Like for instance, the bad pit stop, right? The 11 yeah. second pit stop that happened this week. And then he's like, then he kind of gets pissed off and he's like, okay, I got to get back up to the front. I think if he has that mindset of him starting at the back, and having to work his way forward to a point of like to a podium finish, I think he'll be more so determined rather than uh, frustrated. And I think that would bode well for Max going forward in that case. Because I, I think you got to take the penalty. You might as well take the penalty now. You're already getting three grid places behind. Why not just, you know, bite the bullet and, um, just go for just just take the penalty now and just be prepared for the final because the the races are going to be won in you know in Texas they're going to be won in Mexico they're going to be won in Brazil right that's where you're going to win your championship this year not Russia it's also not a really exciting track but we'll get into that next week <laughs> that's just my opinion um uh, other other uh, let's see what uh, what are some other things that I have written down here uh, Perez getting the five. Uh, five second grid penalty um how stupid was that on red bull's part not to not to let leclerc pass so stupid especially after what happened during the sprint race on <clears throat> saturday where there was a similar instance and you know he almost got a penalty then for waiting too long to give the spot back and there was talk about it on the radio i don't understand why this was a shock that he got this penalty like if i'm hubert i'm saying like look give it back we have a faster car you're gonna pass him anyways 
like later on down the road. You know what I mean? So like, I, I really didn't understand why do you take a chance on the five second penalty? Cause he clearly overtook him off the track and I don't care what he says about getting pushed off. <laughs> he, he like rumbled over those, those strips and he would just cut right in front of him. I was just like, dude, give the place back and you're going to pass him on the next, on the next DRS zone. Anyways. I just thought it was really ridiculous on Red Bull's part. And again, those are key points in the race. Exactly. It's just I could I could not understand that one. Okay, uh, you might have to refresh my memory. Paris has won one race this year, and did he go on and do another podium? Uh, yes. Yeah, he's he's got another podium. I think Baku was the one where he ended up finishing on top, correct? After yes. a pretty hectic race with some. Right. And then France fire, was fire. the second yeah. one. Okay. Great. Okay. That's when Valtteri yelled at his. And to oh Tina about why didn't they listen to him about it being They're a two-stopper. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh, go ahead, Erica. Yeah. I was going to say, we, we got to talk about primetime Valtteri after the race. So, yeah. What was your favorite meme? I, I think we've all, uh, the whole team, I think, has said that on the F1 Trolls meme, the one where him, where they, it was Photoshopped of him looking at the screen of the crash and then looking back and going, Erica, I think you have to pull it up. Just, oh. just between that and the like, mimicking the meme of the girl with the burning house behind her. I mean, so many good moments. Or kind of what was it? The Jeremy Irons, like, oh no. Anyway, just <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Anyway, yeah, that's the one. I also like the um, the one where it goes. Uh, they said that for um, <laughs> like the Red Bull engineer says, okay, Max, we need you to finish on top of Hamilton in this race and then it just shows max being on top of hamilton in the crash taking it a wee bit too seriously there but it's all good um i think my one of my favorites um i don't know if, if people caught this but i think it was either the before after i think it was after the sprint uh daniel ricardo was getting interviewed and he started to try to speak italian and um and F1 troll posted uh, of the inglorious bastards where Brad Pitt is walking in uh, when they have to act like they're Italians. And he's, and it's like, Ricardo at Monza be like, and he's like, Bergerno. <laughs> I think it surprised everyone when he whipped that out. It was like, oh, not, not what I would expect from a part Italian dude from Perth, Australia, but here we are. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my buddies and I were texting and we're like, he speaks Italian now? <laughs> Which should, I guess he should. Honestly, what does what does Daniel Ricardo not do? Uh, wash his feet, apparently, based on Lando's reaction to doing the shoot. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, that's like two hours of just pure sweat and just filth growing up in that shoe. Oh, the, my favorite shoe though on the podium was uh, the Zach Browns. He literally was taking it like a funnel. It was just like, give it to me. Ah! <laughs> It's like one of those dads that goes back to a college party and he hasn't like partied in like 20, 30 years. He's like, let's go. Zach Brown is literally that dad. It's old <laughs> school, it. man. It's like old school when Will Ferrell and them go back to campus. That's what it was like with Zach Brown. I was expecting him to say, yeah, we're going to go streaking in the paddock in 10 minutes. Low key though, one of the other ones that came to mind was, you know how there's the meme of the guy spraying champagne in his face and he's like third on the podium or something, but they had the Rick Norris, Bottas is just standing there normal and then there's Zach off on the side also, just gone and <laughs> the champagne. 
Oh, and then the after, I forgot about the after post, uh, the, the sorry, the post-race conference. And Ricardo's like, wait, Bottas, you didn't do a shoe? He's like, no, I, I didn't do it. He's like, how do you have not done a shoe? No, I just, I just never did. Danny Rick was so heartbroken. <laughs> I would have given you a shoe. And he's like, no, I always like, you could tell Bottas was like, I've avoided it on purpose. Like I purposefully <laughs> blend into the background during that moment. <laughs> I love how it goes like, I love how Ricardo goes like, yeah, but your girlfriend's Australian. So you got to be into some weird <laughs> stuff. <laughs> oh my God. Just, wow. It's just such a race. So many good memeable moments coming out of this. And we also had, I'm going to butcher the guy's name, but Ferrari had brought out the TikTok legend, Cabby, who like has been running around with Carlos signs doing all kinds of dumb stuff like trying to get newest car and then just showing him like the appropriate way to do it and oh it's just so fun I love it there's so much fun to be had with some of these younger drivers who are kind of just embracing the social media side of things I also love the memes about how Vin Diesel was there like <laughs> yeah. on, on the grid and you saying both there and he goes like yeah Vin Diesel reminding you saying both that F1 the F stands for family <laughs> it's so good um they also had the uh the italian uh, i think it was the 100 meter uh gold medalist there too and then it's actually really funny so i don't know if you got anyone caught this but uh at the formation lap or when they're i guess they're about to start they took he did like the like the photos but then the photographer kept taking more photos of him pretending to go and all you see is you f1 steward person was just like kind of like get off the get off get off <laughs> <laughs> that is a sweet photo though to be fair like imagine like that is that'd be such that'd be like uh, instagram goals yeah. right there that's that's your dp forever that's oh, yeah. yeah hands down I would probably like my own photo if I post that. <laughs> Be one of those people. Um, so, yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else uh, from the race that stood out. Oh, Mr. Saturday, George Russell, third race in the points. So getting only excited to see what he can do in a Mercedes car next year, guys. Awesome. Richie, do you think uh, Ferrari were kind of sandbagging this weekend a little bit? Because because Charles was like, oh, don't expect anything good from us. And then boom, P4, P6. Like, oh, I'm sorry, Charles. Yeah, it wasn't very good at all. Uh, Because I I had low hopes going into this weekend, too. Because just from the track record from 2020, I just didn't think that this was going to be a good weekend. And I purposely did not pick them on my my fantasy. I tried to avoid – I avoided all Ferrari because I just didn't feel comfortable picking them this week because especially with it being the temple of speed but <laughs> I, I think they'd had to try to play it off just because of the pressure of having uh, a home home race and the italian media in particular has been just like dogging ferrari the last two years especially after last year's uh performance uh did, did like am i happy that we came fourth and six like absolutely did i anticipate it this week I mean, this weekend, absolutely not. I didn't think that we were going to be there. And like, obviously kudos to McLaren and like, it just made the constructors just more interesting. What an absolute nightmare though for AlphaTauri. Oh my goodness. I mean, go ahead, Erica, sorry. 
I know that obviously there were some issues with the cars ahead of time because there were some crashes and some some problems during FP and qualifying and whatnot. But to have one car, because Sonoda didn't even start, did he? No. And then on the first lap, you just see Gasly limping around one of the corners partway through. I mean, I think a lot of us assumed he got in that tussle with Giovinazzi, was it? where uh, kind of coming out of the chicane going through like turn three or four, I can't remember exactly where it was, but I I have no words. And he had done so well in qualifying and in the sprint, I was kind of excited to see where he was gonna go in this race. If, if he wouldn't win, at least maybe get another podium, but it was not even remotely in the cards. Yeah, I guess uh, going into the fan questions, that was actually going to be one of the questions that have been submitted by fans is, uh, where do you think Alphatari ends up this year? And could they make a difference in the midfield? And I mean, it, it's going to be, I, it kind of reminded me of when Ferrari both uh, DNF'd or did not last, last Monza race. Like, this is devastating where you can't even finish one of your drivers at a home, home, home arena. I was home, not home, home uh, race, sorry. It's like home arena what sport are you talking about right now man <laughs> i i think they could finish they could finish fifth they could beat renault like they're only nine points behind alpine sorry why i say renault alpine my apologies but they're alpine and renault so technically <laughs> kind of works yeah they're the sport they're the they're they're sponsored by the sports car manufacturer of the of renault itself isn't it kind yeah. of funny when the drivers uh, were doing the Beyond the Grid or like one of those things and they just could not announce what their team titles names were? Like, yeah, Lewis is like, I think I got it right. I don't know if you guys saw that. Oh, my favorite was when um, Sebastian Vettel didn't say anything for R and he could have said Red Bull, you know, the team won four championships with. No. <laughs> Renault. Oh, no. <laughs> Sorry, Erica. Or, my oh, favorite's like when Mazepin had no clue for H. And then they were like, are you kidding me? And he goes like, oh, has. <laughs> uh, no, I think um, to go back to the question of where I think Alpha Tower can stand, I mean, because like they were, I think, Andrew, you just said they're only nine they're points back. They're 11 points back. 11. I can't do math. Jesus Christ. Aren't you the one who's like in a Yeah, I got a math degree. It's that's mental math. I thought four became a six. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have said that they were pretty competitive before this week, and I still like to think that they are. I'm hoping this is a bit of an anomaly. I think uh, with them re-signing the two drivers, they're holding hopes that they can help develop the team and kind of keep things progressing in a forward way. I mean, Sunoda's not had the best season, but sometimes he has surprised us and done relatively well. Everyone's shaking their head no at me. It, no, not, not you. No, it's, but... it's a message Richie sent to me. said, if I got my grade 10, I'm like, no. <laughs> it's a Trailer Park Boy reference if anyone uh, watches uh, Trailer Park Boys. Um, sorry, but go ahead, Erica. My apologies. But uh, like Gasly's done so well this year and has scored them some pretty major points to keep them competitive in those standings there. And I really think that between Alpine and AlphaTauri, it will come down to later in this season, assuming that this, like I said before, is kind of a one-off instance for a team that's done pretty good this year. Al Alonso's having a tear lately. 
Like he's like consistently been getting some points for the team. Comeback king, man. Sonoda really has to pick it up if he's gonna want to. If they're gonna want to finish fifth, though, I think. I, I think like Gasly's form alone, though, could beat Ocon and could beat uh, Alonso. But you know, on any given day, I think Alpine could outbeat. Like they work well as a team together, and I just don't think Monza suited their package well. So I I do think though that you'll see a strong effort from Alpine to finish the season. I mean, especially when we go into tracks that are pretty, um, they're going to be pretty fun to watch. Look, Brazil's track is going to be fast. The Saudi Arabia track in, in Jeddah is supposed to be one of the fastest, supposed to be the fastest street circuit of the entire year. Abu Dhabi is a bit of a boring one because it's not really one for overtaking, but, you know, it's final race this season. Anything can happen there as well. So I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about it next week, though. But, yeah, this Russia... I find the Russian track is really boring <laughs> to watch. It is so bad, but Hey, Valtteri loves it there. He won it last year and I think he could uh, do the same thing again. I, I just really, I'm just, I'm just picturing for next week. Uh, sorry. No, yeah. Next week that it's going to, he's going to be racing and then it's going to be like Valtteri, it's James. And like, I don't know if he can like pull out his radio and just like no radio communication. <laughs> well, then we just see like something go flying from his car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um so on that note so as we get into the fan questions so that was one question from our dear fans and i just want to say everyone thank you for the questions uh we love these questions and i think this is uh so i want this on record andrew and erica would you do a shoey yes or no absolutely it's disgusting but my way what way to sell it why not celebrate in the fun way i uh, just it's uh, it's you know, get you only live life once. Make the most of it. So do a shoey, people. Do a shoey. Okay, Erica, go ahead. So here's my thing. Exactly. I only live once. Why would I take this one go at existence to put a stanky shoe to my mouth and drink beer from it? Be and fair, this it's is coming... shoe. it's your own shoe, though. Trust me, I know how stanky my own feet are. <laughs> I'm not letting this happen, man. But for me, part of it is just PTSD from, uh, I don't know, that was what, like eight years ago now when neck noms were a thing <laughs> and everyone was getting nominated to like drink beers in weird ways. And so many guys in my res were doing it out of shoes or like hockey skates and stuff like that. Ooh, and I yeah. just, uh, like you don't even have to be the one doing the shoey to partake in the experience by being nearby so one west was a bit of a time though wasn't it eh? when you yeah you know how it was you were just across <laughs> the way there it was as much as everyone thought we were going to be the quiet nerdy business kids it uh ended up being quite a different story by the end of the year so the way she goes boys uh i will never forget when i experienced my first shoey at a buffalo bills game and the guy had like worker boots oh. and just like poured and just went at it and like i've never seen a, a section go more crazy in my life um okay i actually have a suggestion winner of the podiums should chewy so wait what, oh i would you know i'm all for it or, I don't think or I, even I, the losers have to shoey how about yeah like, yeah whoever gets third place winner gets, gets to place. make someone gets to make whoever do a shoey 
live on camera. I feel like I just put a target on my back for that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like if like either one of you win, I'm going to be the target. <laughs> and I'll do it for the pod. Just, so, as long so, as, just as long as Danny Rick comes off, FYR. Yeah, yeah. So, number one, Danny Rick, multiple times this pod, we would love to have you on. And number two, write in the comment section below, who do you think deserves the shoey? Myself, Erica, or Andrew? Like, we would love to hear what the people think. We've been blown away by some of these comments. Um, on to a next question. Uh, so, we got another one from my fantasy group. Uh, I think you guys will like this. Uh, for the FIA said last week that they're going to meet with current and prospective PU suppliers for next year. What are your thoughts on who could potentially come back? Well, isn't Honda leaving, but it's take Red Bull's taking over. It's from my understanding, Honda's agreed to keep producing for them, but they're not taking the same level of interest and ownership over the team and its activities. I don't really understand what that means. Well, I feel you'll have the, I feel like um, you'll definitely have McLaren. I'm sorry, you'll have Mercedes. You'll have Ferrari. You'll have Honda in some form of capacity because I believe it's in 2025 is when Red Bull is going to start manufacturing their own engines. Interesting. Yeah, they're, they're building a facility right now that was broken ground this year. Um, but I think with all the regulation changes coming up, maybe that had to deal with, there's probably a lot of questions or a lot of unknowns still on what fit, what constitutes, like what could be constituted in the engine or in the, in the power unit for next year. So I wonder if they're doing that, but I can't see anybody else coming in. Like, I don't see, I don't see um, Toyota coming back as an engine supplier. I, I think it's going to be mainly the same for. Yeah. I feel like, especially with just the, how competitive the, the, this, um, this, not only this season, but yeah, the four main team or engine providers are, it, it'd be very hard. Like I, and then who is willing to take a risk on a, I wouldn't say call them nobodies, but like a fifth person, like unless, cause it's, this is not a cheap sport. You can't just sh show up with an engine and be like, I'm going to put it in your car and you're going to win me races. So. Well, cause uh, who, who are the PU suppliers right now? We've got, well, like, obviously like. So we have Mercedes. Ferrari, we'll have Mercedes, we have Renault. So mm -hmm. it's called Red Bull powertrains is what is going to be taking over for Honda. Okay. I think that's the main four. I don't know if Volkswagen's coming in at all. Maybe. But from what I'm reading right now, it looks like the big thing that they're focusing in is on 2026. Hmm. And yeah, their so use I, of net zero carbon sustainable fuels and going to that mm -hmm. becoming like a net zero carbon. Because the F1's done, a, F1's done a, again, a very big job in terms of reducing their greenhouse gas emissions. And providing opportunities to do that so i think they're trying to push those power units to be net zero carbon um by 2026 well and i was just taking a quick little gander here and i know they were talking um this looks like it's a little outdated now it's from early july but porsche and audi were also involved in some of the discussions that were going on at that time for 2025 with you know the similar goals like you're talking about like uh sustainable fuel things of that sort which I find surprising. I mean, 
I think of performance cars in a way when I think of Porsche and Audi, but I don't think necessarily of the professional racing cars to the same capacity as what we see in F1 or even like NASCAR and some of these other sports, right? I do believe that they have been engine power and engine suppliers and or PU suppliers in the past, as well as they've had teams in F1 before. So maybe they're trying to because yeah, like for instance like aston martin right i guess in a way too that's more of a sports luxury car you don't expect them to have a team but yeah. you know they do well, they have a nice 007 uh thing on the cars this weekend ironically lance stroll finished seventh on the grid hey, hey that's fun so wait what he you're telling he finished p007 so what you're telling me a brit won silverstone a dutch won the dutch grand prix Half Italian, one Monza. So, like, if Russia's next, does that mean the torpedo comes back and wins? God, no. <laughs> or Mazepin? Yeah. yeah, Mazepin wins if everyone decides to crash into the wall in the first lap. <laughs> or a situation was it the US Grand Prix 2003, where only six drivers ended up racing in protest? Because everyone else protested the tires. It was oh. the Michelin versus. Um, was, uh, it, was it Bridgestone? No. Yeah. Or is it good? Or no, uh, Goodyear was Michelin. Uh, I'm trying to remember that. No, it's a good point. I mean, I think it would be hilarious if Maspin came within even just like a. A points finish if that point yeah that would be i think enough to warrant the excitement that we got from the brit winning silverstone the dutchman winning at zandvoort things of that sort i think we're gonna see the end of this fun little streak we had going on for the last while because it it's just an insurmountable challenge to kind of see anything of that nature happen in Russia, in my opinion, at least. So does it count as a win if he beats his teammate, though? Interesting. Because Gunter Steiner said himself, they're really not racing anybody but themselves <laughs> on the track this season. I mean, if you're Haas, maybe that counts as a win, but... <laughs> uh, so I'd like to correct the record. It was actually the 2005 U.S. Grand Prix, and it was the six cars using the Bridgestone tires, mm. Ferrari, uh, Jordan, and Miranda, uh, and the remaining 14 on uh, team uh, drivers used Michelin tires, and then they pitted. So, yes. Interesting. So at one point, I think at one point, one season, there was like, you could have chosen either use the Bridgestone or you use the Goodyear tires. Instead of it being mandated like it is now with, yeah, with Pirelli. This, even I think it depends on the, the specific like soft, medium and hard tires they dictate to, right? Yeah. Interesting. I learned something new today. I love these fan questions. They're fun. Yeah, I want to I shout out to my uh fantasy um my f1 fantasy group uh they give them some killer questions and again anyone's got a question put it down in the comment section below we love questions but um so next week we're gonna talk so obviously we're not talking russian grand prix a lot this week so i think the goal for next week 
um, is we're going to be talking about what our thoughts are going into the Russian Grand Prix and just seeing if, if uh, you know, if Verstappen and Hamilton can pull it back together and see uh, a, uh, them compete. But also, I think next week we're going to do a special tribute to, I think, one of the greatest Formula One drivers ever to race, uh, Michael Schumacher. As we're recording this, um, this at this day on Wednesday, Wednesday, September 15th, uh, they just released his documentary um, on Netflix. And I know Andrew's seen it. Eric and I need to see it. Um, so we're going to spend some time in next week's episode um, dedicating it to one of the greatest drivers ever to race, uh, Michael, uh, race ever in F1, Michael Schumacher, and talk about our thoughts of his um, uh, thoughts about his uh, F1, uh, sorry, documentary. I was getting emotional just thinking about it. <laughs> sorry. Uh, yeah, no, I'm just really excited to kind of talk about that. Uh, I think on that note, uh, I'm just going to turn it over. If there's any last questions or thoughts from the from the team, Andrew, Erica, anything else to think about going into, I guess, a, a rest week, I guess we can call it. I am excited for when I, I you know, I was a little bummed that there wasn't a race this week. A, a quadruple would be a quad would be a little tough, I think, on the bodies. But I'm I'm looking forward to uh, next week, even if it is Russia, you just really get to appreciate, you know, not having a race this week. I apologize. That was my dryer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm super, I was sad when there wasn't a race this week, but again, like Andrew said, I think it's unsustainable for pretty well everyone involved in the sport to push it through four weeks in a row. Um, I had a great time watching Monza last week. It was one of the first times I've watched a race at the Temple of Speed just because of what my own schedules have been over time. So uh, being able to participate in really like an event like that was super cool to watch and see, even if it was just on my TV and not out at a bar or even on site or anything. So um, yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens this coming week, just with some of the choices the teams are gonna make for their cars and kind of seeing how everyone's going to duke it out to fight for a position in the constructors championship uh, for the rest of the season. So I think this will kind of be setting the tone potentially for a little while to come. Yeah. And I, I think uh, for me, anytime we can kind of go back to Monza and watch a race there, like anything obviously can happen there. And especially being like for Ferrari, it's a big deal to race home. Like it was just kind of exciting to actually see that and see fans in the stadium. I, I don't know about you guys, but that's one of the coolest things. Uh, one of the greatest things that I think this sport has missed is actually having fans. Um, especially last year, I, I can't remember many races actually having fans. So very, very happy to start to see them in there. Um, yeah, I could only imagine what's going to be said in the news for the next couple of days leading up to maybe next week when we uh, record episode six. And obviously looking forward to talking about the pod. Um, and I guess on that note, I just want to th thank you guys. Um, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Erica. Another great episode. And I, I'm going to say it again, Danny Rick, buddy. Love to have you on the pod. Uh, <laughs> Erica would love to have you in her DMs too. So. <laughs> yes. Uh, not, yes, that, that is very true. Uh, so make sure to hit that subscribe button. Uh, follow us on YouTube, uh, also on Twitch. Oh, and I forgot to mention, we are on SoundCloud 
but we have maxed out the uh, the free usage. So we're only going to have four episodes on that. So we're mostly going to be posting on my YouTube channel at xreachy. Um, and again, uh, thank you guys so much for the support. It's Richie. It's Andrew. Bye, everybody. And it's Erica. Bye. Thank you guys so much and have a great day.